0: Roads on a cold Sunday. Aren't you glad we got some heat? (laughs) Oh, yes. So, I'm going to tell that story. Somebody reminded me in the lobby a while ago. I'm going to tell the story because the story is bigger than you can imagine. I just don't have enough time today to tell the story. So, again, uh, I I want you to know we're going to talk about that. But let me welcome you. Let me welcome those who are watching us online. We're so excited that those who can't be here are there watching us. And so we welcome them and say, hey, leave us a comment below. Let us know where you're watching from. Uh, We have people literally all over the country. Uh, And if you will just leave a comment there and then share this. Even if you're in this service, you can go to your Facebook page and you can share from our Facebook page to your Facebook page. That way more people get to see what we're doing here this morning on a cold January Sunday. Uh, here at Crossroads. We're excited to have people here, there, and everywhere. Hey, I want to bring up something that I haven't talked about in a while, and and that is, before COVID, we were really good about doing something called Second Saturday. That's where we give you an opportunity to join us as a church, and we go out in the community, and we serve. We kind of put that on the back burner, which I don't think we should have, maybe, but we did, Uh, And we lost a little momentum in that particular area of serving in the community. But we're going to start that back up in the next couple of months. And there's going to be an opportunity for you to serve in our community every month, uh, most every month, during 2024. So I want you to get excited about that, get involved in that. It's a way for you to get to know other people that attend the 830 service. Some of the people there you've never seen before, they've never seen you. It's a way for you to come together and join us as a church as we go out into the community and we serve other people. So again, let me say, as 2023 ended, we finished that really strong. I mean, we really did, especially on the financial end. Uh, The heating units were put in. They were paid for. I told you, somebody reminded me that I you know, spoke it from this stage, we were not going to borrow the money, and we did not borrow the money. We paid for those things, and we put them in. And thanks to you, thanks to many watching, some of those that are not here right now, uh, what's really interesting is we had people who will never darken the doors of our church give money so that we could assemble here in Jesus' name. Uh, and, and, again, it's a beautiful thing. That's the way the church is supposed to work. So we finished it strong financially those last couple of months because of the big gifts that were given that people laughed, you know, when I said, hey, we need you to give. Let me, can I just t- tell you something? The, the Sunday that I said we need somebody to write a $10,000 check, and, again, I'm not, I'm not hating on you, but, but, again, some of you laughed. Do you know that before that day was over I had somebody write me a $10,000 check? Don't laugh at what God can do. I'm just telling you, don't laugh at what God can do. Uh, and, and, and again, because he'll raise you five. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he, he, he will raise you ten. So anyway, uh, don't challenge him because I'm telling you, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he'll just sell a few of them things and buy whatever he wants. So there you go. So again, I want to tell the story, but again, we finished strong in 2023, and I came up with that little slogan, let's, let's spend less on ourselves so that we can give more. In 24, let's say that. You know, I mean, just think about that. Let's spend less on ourselves so that we can give more in 24. Because, again, second Saturday, those things, those kind of mission opportunities take money. So your giving is important to what we do here. It's also important to what we do outside of these walls. So give and give strong during 2024 and be a part of what God is doing here. I told you last Sunday, I know specifically in this service, I really didn't know if I was going to dive into a series today uh, or whether I was not going to dive into a series but I started working on something this past week after we were here last Sunday, and it kind of evolved in, into at least one message, and I think it's going to actually involve, evolve into more than one message after today, because I was tripping out in the first service thinking, oh my gosh, I've got all this content, I'm not going to get it all done, I'm not going to get it all in, so I started, I mean, I was just freaking out, but, but, but I started thinking, you know what, let's just assume this is going to be a series, and I went ahead and gave it a title. And the title is something called Worth It. And that'll make sense in just a minute. That, that, that title will make sense in a minute. But, but let, me, let me challenge you right now. Have, can you remember the first time you got in a fight? I, I mean, think back at your life. The first time that you got in a fight. It might have been with a sibling. It might have been in grade school. It could have been at work. But do you remember the first time you got into a fight? I've alluded to mine before. Mine was on the playground at Lebanon Junior High School, which is where the jail is now. Uh, I was a seventh grader, moved from Nashville to Lebanon, and, and a guy by the name of Roy Holloway, uh, who was in my grade, was big, and he was mean, and he was muscular, and I was little, and I was skinny, and I was puny, and he was just picking on me, but I didn't back down, but I, I never really you know, swung at him, or he never hit me, but he intimidated me. That, that's what I call my first fight. Maybe your fight is with your spouse, and it's over money. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Over money, because there's always a spender and there's always a saver. See, I'm the spender; Jeanne Lee's the saver. So lots of fights start over money. But do you remember your first fight? Because there's a point I want to make. You better get ready to fight. You better get ready to fight this year. And you better be ready to fight for something that's worth it. Because in 2024, you're going to have some battles that you're going to come up against. And the thing that you need to make sure is when you fight that battle, is it going to be worth it? So that's the question. Is the question is really, is what you're fighting for in 2024, is it worth it? Is the thing that you're fighting for, is it something that really matters? Because there are some battles, and there are some victories that God wants you to walk through and experience. But listen to me this morning. Before triumph, there's always the trial. Before you can be called more than a conqueror, you're going to have to conquer some things in 2024. So this morning, I just want you to make sure that it's worth it. I, I, I want to make sure that you're going to be winning at the things that matter most. So that when you arrive at the end of your life and you look back on your life, I want you to be able to say to yourself that it was worth it. You didn't waste your, times on the, your time on those things that had no eternal value or no lasting value. But instead, you spent your time on things of divine destiny. You spent your time on things that were full of significance and, and things that were full of purpose. And there's no better time than right now, the beginning of the year, for you and I to take the time, those watching online, to evaluate our lives and where we are. I mean, think about it. The, the first of the year is always about resolutions, but I, I don't really think so. It's really about Reevaluating. it's about resetting and saying to God, I want to live my life on purpose. I want to live my life full of purpose. I want to live my life full of divine destiny. That's what I want to do with my life. In January of a new year is a great time for us to do that. So let me just tell, tell you and challenge you, and it's really interesting that, you know, it gets cold. Some people think they can't come to church. I, that's why we have online, but you need to be here, and that's what I want to challenge you with. You need to make it a priority to be here. I know we have somebody that joined, joins us online a lot. I, I talked to them just a moment ago, and, you know, the one Sunday that you would think that they wouldn't show up, they show up. I'm like, you know, everybody else is not showing up. But I want to tell you this morning, you need to make it a priority to be in the house of God on Sunday. And if you have children, get your children here. And sit with your children on the front row of a service on Sunday because you need to be in the house of God. Here's the thing. If you make it a priority to get here, I'm going to tell you that our team, our volunteers... We're going to do whatever we have to do so that you can win when it comes to fighting. We want you to win and succeed in the things that are worth it. And I can just tell you that if you do these things and you reach the beginning of 2025 and you look back on 2024... And you're in the house of God with the people of God and serving and getting involved and giving and doing all the things that we're going to challenge you to do. You're going to get to 2025 and you're going to look back and you're going to be grateful that you did what you did. Because your life is going to look different. And your marriage is going to look different. And your family is going to look different. And your home's going to be different. Your finances are going to be different. Your company is even going to be different. Because you made the things of God a priority. So here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that you will be here. Because here's what I believe. I believe the upcoming weeks, I'm talking about the next two or three weeks, they have the power to set the tone for 2024. And I don't believe that they have the power just to set the tone for 2024. I believe they also have the power to set the tone for your life as a whole. So this morning, we're going to start out what is not a series, but is going to probably end up being a series, by looking at a story. And and the thing I love about this story is, is this story is about a guy in Scripture who is is what I call just an ordinary guy. He's not a king, he's not a prophet, he's not a patriarch. This story is about an Old Testament guy who's just a normal, ordinary guy like most of us, and the guy's name is Nehemiah. Now, the thing that's interesting about Nehemiah is that Nehemiah and his family had been carried off from Israel to Babylon. And, and Babylon, for those that may not were. May wonder, that that's where we find modern day Iran and modern day Iraq right now. If you looked at the globe or the map, that's where you would find Babylon. That's that's where that's where Nehemiah finds himself. He was in Israel, but he's now in captivity in Babylon. And because he's there in that what we call modern day Iran or Iraq Babylon, he gets word. Somebody sends him a text message and says, Nehemiah, the walls of Jerusalem are broken. They're in ruin. They've fallen down. And because the walls have laid in ruin for decades, the enemy has come in. And the enemy has destroyed the families in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Not just to families, but the enemy has destroyed the city. The enemy has destroyed the temple. And because the walls were destroyed, there was no commerce. There was no peace. There was no place for God. Listen to me. Because the walls of Jerusalem, I've been there and seen what's left of the walls. Because the walls were in disrepair and torn down, it was so bad that the people of God couldn't even go to the temple of God and worship God anymore. So Nehemiah knows that generation after generation in Jerusalem, his home, has been raised up and there's been no place for God in their lives. They don't even know about God. Now take a minute and think about that. Because it sounds like our world today. And when Nehemiah heard about the condition of the walls around Jerusalem his hometown. Here's what it says Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4. He said when I heard this I sat down and I wept. In fact, look at what it says, for days I mourned, fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. When when Nehemiah gets the message that the walls of his hometown have been torn down. It messed with him so bad that he says that he mourned and he fasted and he prayed. He messed, it messed him up so bad that he didn't know what to do. That's where we need to understand. It wasn't about the broken walls. Listen, listen, listen. It wasn't the walls that messed with Nehemiah. It was the broken lives. He's not weeping about the destruction of the city, but he's weeping about the destruction of the lives of the people in Jerusalem. See, that's what we have to look at because we have to understand that the Bible is full of parallels. The Bible is full of comparisons for us. And the benefit that we have now is we get to look back at the Word of God and we get to see what God wants to say to us through those parallels, through those comparisons. Think about the walls around the city of Jerusalem. The walls were there to protect the people. When the walls were up and the walls were strong, you know what that means? It means the people were safe. When the walls were up, it meant that the people could live in peace because there was security. But most importantly, when the walls of Jerusalem were up, there was a place for God and the temple of God. So that meant the people of Jerusalem could have an encounter with God. So when the walls were down and the walls were broken... That simply means that there's no place for God in the lives of the people. And here's the comparison. Here's the parallel for us to see. Look into the Word of God and see. When the walls of your life, listen to me, Crossroads, when the walls of your life are spiritually strong, when the walls of your life are spiritually up and strong, Your marriage is going to be strong. Your family is going to be strong. Your life is going to be strong. When your spiritual walls are up and the enemy comes against you, you know what you can say? No, 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 no. There is no place for for you to be here. Because your walls are up and you're spiritually strong. But listen. When your walls are down and broken and in disrepair, it means that you and I are vulnerable and open to attack by the enemy. Everything that he throws at us. So Nehemiah hears about the physical condition of the people. And he tells us that he he prayed and he fasted and he wept. And then he makes a decision. He goes to the king who he's working for and asks permission to go back to Israel to build, rebuild the walls. And here's the thing that I think is so cool about this story. Nehemiah took responsibility to rebuild what had been broken down. He wasn't responsible for what had happened, but he took responsibility for it. He wasn't responsible for the walls being broken down, but he took responsibility for what was happening in Jerusalem. And here's the thing I'm praying for you, Crossroads, this year. I'm praying that the spirit of Nehemiah would get on us. Now think about that. I'm praying that we, even as small as we are, we would take responsibility for the people around us that don't know God, for the walls that have been torn down in our world and the the walls that have been torn down in our culture. We may not know what to do, but we've got to do something about it. We're not going to blame other people, but we're going to do something. We're going to do something when it comes back to build when it comes to building back the things of God in our lives and in our family and in our community. So Nehemiah prayed. That's the very first thing that he did. He prayed and he fasted and he talked to God. Now think about that. He prayed, he fasted and he talked to God. But then in that first chapter There's one verse that stands out to me that communicates so much that I think so many people read over, and it's Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 11. Here's what it says. I was a cupbearer for the king. That's who Nehemiah was. Remember, he's taken out of Israel to Babylon. He's a slave, and he says, I was a cupbearer for the king. You know what that means? He was a waiter. He was a part of the of the wait staff. He served the king his wine. He was the guy who had to sample the wine before the king actually drank the wine because they wanted to make sure that the king's wine had not been poisoned. So he was the lucky guy who got to taste the wine and I'm thinking If it's white and if it's Riesling or Pinot Grigio, I would take that job. You know what I'm saying? That's him. But basically what we have to understand is Nehemiah was a part of the help, the hard help, a slave. But what you have to love is that Nehemiah didn't let his limited situation limit what God could do through him. Yes, he was a waiter. That's what he did. That's what he did, but it wasn't his destiny. That was his career, but it wasn't his calling. That might have been what he did, but that was not going to limit what God would do through him. Because God was going to use Nehemiah in ways that Nehemiah couldn't even imagine. See, God was going to use Nehemiah to bring hope into hopeless situations. God was going to use Nehemiah to help defeated people find victory and wholeness. He was actually going to turn a whole nation back to God. So listen to me this morning. That's the very thing that God wants to do here. That's the very thing that God wants to do in you and me. He wants to use you this morning in ways that you have never imagined. And honestly, it's never entered your mind as it relates to the ways that God wants to use you. But at the end of chapter 1, talking about Nehemiah, Nehemiah had no idea what God was going to do. Because again, he was serving at the table of the king. You have no idea how God is going to use you. But can I just speak it over you? I believe that God is going to use you and this church to be part of his divine destiny. I believe God is going to use you and me to do things out there that will outlast you and me both. And we're going to see how God used Nehemiah to do something that other people had not been able to do for decades. Because, see, here's the thing. The the truth of the matter is this. Generation after generation, people had tried to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And every time, those walls kept getting torn down. And because the walls were torn down, you know what that means? It means the enemy kept coming back in. But what we're about to see... This is going to happen. The walls are about to get rebuilt. And it's all going to happen. Listen, listen it's going to happen in 52 days. I mean, think about that. How is that possible? Other people had tried. Why, why did it not work for other people? And now it was going to work for Nehemiah in 52 days. Well, I'll tell you why. There was something about Nehemiah that allowed him to accomplish something that other people could not. Honestly, I believe there are, there are two things. I believe that there are two actions that Nehemiah took. And I believe it's these two actions. If we will take these two actions, I believe they will help us when it comes to fighting for those things that are truly worth it. And it it all starts right here. It starts with priorities. It starts with priorities. It's all about priorities. See, when we look at the story of Nehemiah, the very first thing we're going to start to see is Nehemiah set the right priorities. He had the right priorities set in his life. And whether you realize it or not, every one of us in this room, all of those who are watching online, all those who are listening online, we all have priorities. You may say, well, I don't know what my priorities are. I can help you with that. Look at your calendar. How do you spend your time? How is it that you spend your money? What are you doing with the talents that God has given you? Look at your time, your talent, and your treasure, and you will begin to see the priorities that you have in your life. You may not know what your priorities are, but look at those three things, time, talent, and treasure, and you will begin to see what your priorities are. As a matter of fact, that iPhone will tell you what your priorities are. Your screen time today was 4.5 hours. (laughs) So if you want to win at those things that are worth it, It's crucial that you set the right priorities, because that's what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah set the right priorities. What did he do initially? He set set aside time to fast and pray and to seek God. And that's something that we're going to see throughout the whole book. He set aside time to seek and pray and to talk to God. And when we join him in chapter 1, he fasted and he prayed for 24, he he fasted and prayed for four months. Anybody remember what we did last year in February? We fasted for 21 days, and some of you thought you were going to have a duck. He fasted for four months. Because Nehemiah set the right priorities. And he set those priorities based on God. Because Nehemiah knew that God knew some things that Nehemiah didn't know. So he made the decision to tap into God, to lean into God. Let let me, let me give you this question Where do you turn when you don't know what to do? Where do you turn when you need an answer? Where do you go when you have a problem? You know where most of you go? You go like me sometimes, to your friends. You turn to your friends when you have a problem, when you need an answer. But can I tell you something? Your friends don't know nearly as much as they think they know. So in 2024, how about we make a decision today? Let's just drive the stake in the ground and say, you know what? When I need to know something, when I need an answer, we're going to go to God first. Come on now. How about we just decide, we drive that stake in the ground, that we're going to go to God first. That's our priority. Our priority is when we need an answer, when we don't know what to do, we're going to go to God first. And we're going to call this a God first year. Look at what it says in Jeremiah 29 verse 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. There it is right there. That's it. When you have the right priorities and you seek him, the scripture tells you that you're going to find him. But Nehemiah didn't just pray. He didn't just fast. After months of fasting and prayer, he hears from God. And look at what he does. I want to show you what he does. He gets a plan. After fasting and praying, mourning and weeping, he hears from God and he gets a plan. And he doesn't just get a plan, he works the plan. So if you're going to win the battle of those things that are worth it, you got to get a plan. And you have to work the plan. Because if you fail to work, then that tells me that you plan to fail in every area of your life, especially spiritual areas. Now, think about it. Without a plan, the things that you've been praying for, the things that you've been hoping for, without a plan, those things aren't going to happen. Remember the people back in Jerusalem? The city of God. They had lots of passion for God. The people in the city of Jerusalem, I mean, here's Nehemiah up in, you know, Babylon, but all of these people back in Jerusalem are in the city of God. That's what it's called, the city of God. They had a, a love for God. They had a passion for God. But you know what they didn't have? They did not have a plan. They didn't have a plan. So I'm telling you, Crossroads, listen to me. You listening online, you've got to have a plan for what what you're praying for. Did you hear me? You've got to have a plan for the things that you're praying for. What are you planning for this year? What are you praying for this year? How are you getting ready for the things that you're asking God to do in your life? Listen to me this morning, Nehemiah didn't just pray, he got a plan. And then he goes to the king. When he gets to the king, guess what he had? He had in front of him a plan of exactly what he needed to do. Chapter 2 tells us that he he goes to the king with a plan. And he says to the king, I need permission, king, to go back to my hometown, to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. I need to leave and go back to Jerusalem, and I need to rebuild the walls that have been torn down. And he tells the king exactly how long he will be gone. He asks the king, write me some letters of passage so I can go through all these territories. And write me a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, so that I can cut some trees down when I need those trees to help rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And and can I tell you this morning... When he asked the king for all these things, the king gave him everything he asked for and then some. So Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem and he comes up with a plan. Here's what his plan was every household, every tribe, every clan is going to rebuild a section of the wall. He went so far as to even have a plan as it related to the opposition that was going to come against him. He had a plan. Can I tell you something? Without that plan, the walls would not have been rebuilt and nothing would have changed. So if you want God, listen to me, Crossroads, if you want God to change some things in your life, you're going to have to get a plan. If there's something in your marriage, if there's something with your kids if there's something right now in your soul that you know is just not right, then we have to get a plan. A plan to rebuild what has been torn down by the enemy. We have to get a plan to take the territory back and reclaim that territory. Maybe it's happened in your family. Maybe walls in your family have been torn down. Gates have been burned. So if that's the case, it's time to kick the enemy out. Build some walls. You need to tell Satan himself, you cannot have this territory any longer. You have to get a plan. Now listen to me, Crossroads. You have to get a plan, and you have to work the plan. You have got to work the plan. I mean, there were people in Jerusalem, they had passion, but they didn't have a plan. Nehemiah worked the plan. But there's something else in this story that I think is crucial that we need to see. And this is crucial when it comes to you and I winning in those things that, were, that are worth it. See, Nehemiah didn't work the plan by himself. Nehemiah didn't work the plan on his own. Nehemiah didn't go back to Jerusalem on his own. No, every step along the way, he did not go it alone. Because I can tell you this morning, if Nehemiah had gone by himself alone, nothing would have changed. He would have failed miserably. And see, that's the reason why some of you are struggling this morning when it comes to your walk with God. The reason you're struggling in your walk with God is because you're trying to do it by yourself, you're trying to do it alone. But you have to realize you weren't created to do it alone. Can I just tell you, every time that I have tried to do it by myself, I have failed. And that's the reason many of you are failing. It's because you're trying to do the walk of a follower of Jesus alone. See, your intentions are good, but let me tell you, your intentions are not good enough. You've got to bring people around you. You've got to stop trying to do it on your own. Let's bring people around us to help us out. I mean, think about it like, like when Nehemiah went to the forest, the king's forest, to cut down those trees. Can I just tell you, can I just speak candidly with you? Some of you right now have things in your life that need to be cut down. They need to be cut down. Because some of you have a problem in your life right now. It's just too big for you. You're trying to handle it by yourself, but it's too big for you. You need to get involved. You need to be around God's people, in God's house, doing God's work. You can't handle those problems by yourself. So what that tells me in the story of Nehemiah is you need to get others involved. See, listen to me. Some of you were not raised in a Christian home, and you know, that, that's okay. You weren't raised in a Christian home, but if that's the case, then how are you going to build a Christian home on your own? You're not going to. You can't do it on your own. It's impossible. If you're a parent and you have children right now in Wombaland or Upstreet, you know what you need to do? You need to look at what we're teaching. We post that stuff on social media every week. And you need to take the things that we're teaching and you need to use that as a, as a parent to pastor your children. Because pastoring your children is not my responsibility, it's your responsibility. You're the parent and the responsibility of the parent is for you to pastor your children. It's your job to help your children grow in the things of God. It's not our responsibility. You know what our responsibility is? Our responsibility as a church is, is that we come around you and we help you pastor your children. Some of you need to get involved in a group. And again, I want you to know we've got a couple of new groups starting. One of those is a young adult couples group who are Late 30s, I thought they were way earlier, (laughs) younger, so anyway, I I threw them into their 20s. But their 30s, early 40s, David Taylor, Misty, Kevin, they may be right here. I can't see them, but they're they're down here on the front row. They're starting a brand-new couples group in February. So if you're interested in being in that group, reach out to me. Reach out to them. You'll see them right here. Raise your hand there, David David Taylor, whoever's there. I can't see you. I like it that I can't see you because if you were talking, I'd be smacking you down. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Now, you turn that phone on, I can see your face. But reach out to these guys right here. They're starting a brand new couples group. And they would love to have you do life with them. Because we look at the life of Nehemiah and we see that just like them, they know they can't do it alone. Nehemiah did not do this alone. He had a plan, and the reason that he succeeded is because he worked the plan. But he didn't work the plan by himself. But look at what it says in Nehemiah six. I mean, we're going right; we we cutting right to the chase. So on October second, I find it really interesting that they they know exactly the date. On October the second, the wall was finished. Just fifty-two days after we started. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done. Come on, somebody, with the help of our God. Now, think about this what had been lying in ruins, the walls around Jerusalem for decades, was repaired and restored and rebuilt in 52 days. The parallel, the comparison. If the walls of Jerusalem can be built in 52 days, rebuilt, restored, just imagine what God can do in your life in 52 days. Just imagine what God could do in your life. What could your walk with God look like in 52 days from now? You know when that is? That is Wednesday, March the 6th, 2024. We have an opportunity now for the next 52 days to set the right priority. To say, God, I'm going to set you as my priority. I'm going to get a plan. I'm going to work the plan. And when I get the plan and work the plan, maybe some of the things that have been lying in ruin in my life can be repaired. 52 days from today, March the 6th. Here's my challenge to you. First challenge. I'm calling you to set the priorities. Here's the priority. Look at the priority. Put God first. Lean into God this year. It's just the 14th, right? Today's the 14th. Put God first. First. Get here on Sunday morning. I don't care if it hair lips the pope. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but anyway. <laughs> he needs saving anyway. Get here on Sunday morning. Get down here on the front row. Hold up your hands if that's what you do. Don't start just running cuz I'll trip you. We ain't going to have no silliness, no foolishness, but we're going to be here and we're going to worship our God. Get into this church. Wednesday afternoon, get to our call to prayer. Put God first. Here's the second thing. Get a plan and work the plan. Now, can I just tell you, my plan is going to look different from your plan because we're different people. I've got to do different things than you need to do. But we have some things in our lives that are going to line up. Let me give you the first one. Put God first every day. You and I can do that. It doesn't matter what the plan looks like. That's something that we can do. Both of us can do that. Put God first every day. For the next 52 days, I'm just telling you, set your alarm clock 30 minutes earlier than what you normally get up. 30 minutes earlier, and during that 30 minutes, meet with God. Can I just tell you this? I know you're not going to believe this. That 30 minutes that you meet with God is going to be better than those 30 minutes of sleep. I guarantee that. Grab your Bible. Get a journal. Go and pray. Hold on, I'm coming back. Journal. Go and pray and talk with God. You know what you can do? Write your prayers out. That's what I do. Write your prayers out if you need to. Because here's the thing. If you take the time to write your prayers out, you know what you can do? You can look back and read the prayers that you were praying. And that gives you the ability to see how God answered your prayer. Because you've written it in your notebook. You've written it in your journal. Read a scripture. Do a little devotional and and take the time to to write down what the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Put God first, the first of every day. Just just go ahead and commit. The plan is that, that the first of every day goes to God. Here's the second thing. Put God first every week. Sunday is the first day of every week. Sunday is the first day that you can reset your mind and your heart on the things of God. You know why? Because He calls us to do this right here. You know why God calls us to do this right here, gather together in worship? Because people, the world out there is crazy. Come on now, it's crazy. People are crazy. The messages that you're hearing on social media are crazy. So we need to be in the house of God with the people of God the first day of every week. We need times of prayer. Because you know what? There are going to be times when you're going to come in here and, and your faith is going to be rock bottom but the person next to you their faith is on top of the mountain you need to be around those people because you're going to have times when you struggle in your faith you need to be in God's house so here's what we're going to do we're going to plan to give God the first of every day we're going to plan to give God the first of every week and here's the next thing we're going to rebuild what has been torn down We're going to get together and we're going to rebuild what is broken. See, some of you are struggling with an addiction. And I wish we had a recovery program here, but we don't. But you know what I'll tell you? There are great recovery programs. I think Celebrate Recovery uh, meets at Fairview Church. And I'll point you in that direction if you're dealing with an addiction. Some of you are dealing with an addiction and you need to get into recovery. Some of you need to do something about your marriage. I don't do marriage counseling, but I have people who do, and I can push you in that direction or or, or point you in that direction. For some of you this morning, it's a mental health issue. You can look at your life and you know that your mental health has not been good. So that simply means you you just need to talk to somebody who can do something about that and help you with that. You need to take the time to build back what the enemy has been tearing down. Some of you, you know it's in your family. You know it's in your home. There are things happening in your house that don't honor God. And you know that. Things on your TV. Things on the internet. The way that you speak to each other. See, those things aren't building anything up. So it's time to take back some territory. Maybe some of you need to start having family devotions. See, blame it on me for the next 52 days. We're going to have a family devotion every day. I'm not talking about a 45-minute, you know, nothing like that. I'm talking about five minutes. Read some scripture or read a little short devotion and get together and pray as the family. You can do it at the beginning of the day. You can do it at the end of the day. It does not matter. Can I tell you something? Can I challenge you couples this morning? Let me challenge you. Couples, some of you need to start praying together. Let me make it a game. Play a game with prayer. The first one to remember that you need to pray doesn't have to pray. (laughs) The other one has to pray. Because we need to build the walls back we need to take back some territory. And I believe that as you get the plan and you work the plan that you're going to see God do more in these 52 days than you could have ever imagined. And you'll come back here on the first Sunday in March, which I don't know what it is, but maybe the date's like the 10th. And you're going to say Randy, you were right. Because listen, I know, I've read the story, 52 days can change everything. 52 days can change everything in your life. And I just want you to know that, that there's a church, we love you guys, and, and I believe that these 52 days can be a spiritual marker that actually defines you. And I believe that when you get back to, or when you get to the end of 24, that you can look back on 2024 And you're going to see that these 52 days is when everything changed. Because that's when my soul got connected to the things of God. That's when I got connected to the people of God and the things of God. And because of that, I've never been the same again. So can I just say something? Give me this year. And this year, in 2024, if you have leaned in to everything that we're doing and everything that we're talking about at Crossroads and if you get to the end of 2024 and your life is not any better I personally will help you find a better church in our community but if you give me this year I can guarantee you that you are going to see God completely transform your life and your home and it's going to happen in Jesus name can I just ask you if you will to do something that we normally don't do can I just ask you if you will right now to stand up and to close your eyes and to bow your head because this morning I want to pray over you every head bowed every eye closed and I want to pray two prayers the first prayer is I want to pray that you'll make the changes that you need to make. Because you're just like me. I have changes in my life that I need to make. You have some priorities that are going to need to change. We all have those. And I think this morning as I've been speaking, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you and telling you about the things that you need to get, it, you need to get in order, the things that you need to change. I think the Holy Spirit has been speaking to some of you online about the plan that you need to put together. So my prayer this morning is whatever it is that you need to do, the changes that you need to make, the priorities that you need to set, that you'll begin to do that. And if you don't do that, that the Holy Spirit will worry you to death until you do something about it. The second prayer I'm going to pray this morning is for those that at the beginning of the year you need to get your relationship with God right. Because until you get your relationship with God correct and right nothing in your life will be right. And that's made through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this morning if you don't have that relationship you can leave this place in a beautiful relationship with Jesus Christ. And that sets the tone for the entire year. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the gift and the beauty of your word and how you take an ordinary guy like Nehemiah and you give us clarity and you give us direction and you give us truth that parallels and compares to our life. The importance of walls, spiritual walls built up of to keep the enemy out what we need to do in in order to keep the enemy out we need to have a plan We we need to work the plan we need to have priorities we need to set those priorities God I just pray that every person here and those watching and listening online would be driven to their knees it relates to the changes and the priorities that they need to make in their own life. That they would hear and that they would see and that they would know what you want them to do. And that they would do it in Jesus' name. And God, for those that are here and listening online that don't, don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, today's the day they can have that. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that you can have a relationship with Him and spend eternity with Him and with God the Father and the Holy Spirit and all the other believers. Where are you this morning as it relates to your relationship with Jesus? If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, it's not about the words that you say. It's not about the words that I would even lead you in. It's about making a conscious, spiritual decision to call on Jesus maybe you take the time to do that right now start this year off right nothing in your life will be right unless you do that the next step is baptism confessing and professing Father we thank you for this time we thank you for this season we thank you for what you're doing in our life and in our church we ask you to go before us and behind us in all that we do that we commit this year to first thing every day, first thing every week as we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name.